Hey everyone, welcome back to our fifth episode of Jark Entertainment. And today uh, you're joined with your co-host Cameron. And your other co-host Armand. And we'll be discussing um, specialization and trade uh, within the globe and really discussing how um, countries should either specialize in making uh, products in their own um, domestically or uh, rely on international trade. Yeah, so you see now, especially in the present day, as the world um, continues to grow and politics and uh, trade and diplomacy become mainstream topics, that it's really, really hard for a country to exist without interacting with any other country. So definitely in the past 100 years, um, trade between nations has increased a lot, and I think that it'll only continue to increase, and self-reliance is getting a lot harder. Right, and that's due to our growing global population, right? We need Mm. to be able to mass-produce food in a way to sustain everyone. And um, it, it, we need trade, but I think that we need to take a step back from the amount of trade that happens in the world. Um, that's my personal opinion. I don't know what you think, Armand, but um, yeah, we, we should take a step back and start to produce ourselves. Because we in this pandemic, we see that in Canada, we have a large shortage of masks, Right. And because of this, um, we we, our hospitals are not operating at full potential, while the U.S., the 3M uh, mass producer of N95 masks are able to sell to U.S. and produce to in the U.S. uh, while Canada suffers. Yeah. And again, they're they're fully within they're like they're the government of the United States can fully force them to do that because it's it's an American plant and there are laws written to allow them to kind of take over and only have those masks sold to the American population. It's definitely not fair, but um, it is you're, you come to see as things get worse and worse. Uh, it's definitely uh, every man for himself and us before you mentality that starts to take over. So some of the struggles that we see here is that we need to step up our production of masks. Yeah. And just looking outside of this pandemic, uh, I think that we should really be starting to produce more of everything ourselves and not have such a huge reliance on other nations. Um, yes, it would not be as efficient as uh, trading and specializing, uh, making certain products more efficiently in different countries, but it would definitely improve our economy, I think, um, internally by creating jobs. Uh, and really making that final product here as opposed to making it somewhere else and shipping it here. I I agree with that, but only to an extent because you have to look at, you say, yeah, you create jobs, right? You have to look at what kind of jobs are being created. Like line workers in a factory or AI is developing so much every day and line work could be done by artificial intelligence. Who knows, maybe five years, 10 years down the line right? You have to look at the, t- the kinds of jobs that you're creating. If they're not sustainable, and they're only going to be jobs for five years, 10 years, then that kind of folds in on itself, right? Right. And but if you if you think about it, some of those jobs will be replaced in the world itself, you know, uh, by other countries. So is it really that you're eliminating uh, jobs in domestically? Or will the entire globe see a reduction? 
Well, I mean, it depends. That's a that's a pretty loaded question, right? Because you look at the countries that are the biggest industrial producers now, right? And those countries have been industrial producers for a while now. So it the world really has kind of taken on a, in terms of business anyway, a, a mindset that certain countries produce all the goods and all the other countries buy them, right? When's the last right. time you saw something with a made in the, the United States or made in like a European country sticker, right? Unless it was like a luxury good. So I think that it's really is a more of a global issue than a domestic one right now. But again, if countries start to move backwards, maybe not backwards, I guess forwards in a sense, and start to become producers again, then you could see a potential shift. What potential shift are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not too clear. You know, I, I think of it more as, you know, China. China is mass producing everything in the world. We refer yeah. to them as a mass production capital of the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, any electronic appliance that you look at mainly comes from China. Cell phones, speakers, monitors, anything. Yeah. And I think that, you know, those are not essentials, but in terms of... I think they're uh, essentials. I think in our society today, those are definitely essentials. Okay, fine. Let's argue anyway. that. Most let's argue anyway. that. Let's say that they are essentials, right? And that um, those those items, you know, if we only rely on China to make them, then they can p- pump up the price enormously, and we 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 have to accept it because we don't have the infrastructure and the ability to change quick enough to produce it ourselves. Yeah, and I agree with that definitely. But again, I'm just all I'm pointing out is that there are repercussions that will come. When at the end of the day, it is a scale back to go from an economy that's based on more of I I don't even know how, what the word is, where it's like service based and like, you know, you know what I mean? Like most of the yes. work here is, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, so, what, you know what I'm uh, discussing, right? The work is. Yeah. Um, so it's a tertiary industry exactly. where retail, retail really dominates the sector. Exactly. Um, in Canada, we're not a, a, produ- a primary industry. Not a, pr- not a production where- we are not a production nation. We're more like Cameron said, a tertiary. And I think that there are definitely repercussions that come when it is scaling back at the end of the day, when you go from a tertiary uh, economy back to a first, again, you have to look at the types of jobs you're creating and whether or not they're sustainable. So don't you think that we need to uh, be able to independently take care of everyone that lives in the country? Of course we should. Yeah. So do you think by by trade we're we're continuously working on that or do you think it's actually drawing us back? Cuz I think it's drawing us back. I think that with more trade we're not we're not able to sustain our own population uh by making what is necessary in the house. God forbid like uh it comes to war, right? We rely on other nations to make our our weapons and um all of our tools, right? So we would be left in the dust. Whereas the United States, one of their biggest industries, is the uh, the gun, is ammunition and guns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in terms of the uh, the military aspect, right? Um, it, it's much different. We don't. We're not. No country. I think not many countries actively produce tanks or aircraft, right? Those are contract-based. And when a country makes an order, for example, for um, 100 tanks, 
or 25 warships or whatever, right? Those are those are like generational orders. That order will last a lifetime, right? I think that's different. Right. There, We don't live currently in, in our geographic area. There's no need to be constantly producing weapons and uh, tanks and whatnot. But if you look in the States, like one of their biggest industries is ammunition and guns. Understand. You yeah, know? I understand. And sorry, just what you said about guns. And I just looked it up now. Uh, the uh, the standard issue rifle for the Canadian forces is made by Colt Canada, and their uh, main manufacturing plant is located in Kitchener, Ontario. Right? Kitchener, huh? Yeah. So those are produced here. It's an American-owned company, but then at the end of the day, right, it's still produced here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one perspective in terms of military, but then... Considering in a war, right, you would need to make your own food and uh, and of that sort. So, mm-hmm. would would Canada be able to maintain um, making the same making a, enough food to feed the nation while in a war? Um. Well, that's also a really good question. I think that Canada would be capable in a time of emergency to produce enough food to meet. Because you have to, you have to remember, wartime is very, very different from what we have now. There's, you don't in time of war when food is rationed, you don't pay for groceries, right? The government seizes everything. All food mm-hmm. is rationed. You get rationed cards. It's, it's a much different scenario, right? The right. excess that we have today, in which you can walk into a grocery store and buy whatever you want, doesn't exist in a time of war. Food is rationed so that there's enough for everyone. Okay, well, I'm looking at the extreme. I'm trying to put it in perspective. I know, I understand. And you look at, for example, like in the western part of Canada, there's a reason they call the like Saskatchewan and Manitoba the breadbasket of Canada, right? They're producing, they're agricultural provinces. I think that Canada has the capability. And I think that in terms of specialized products that we import, those are like at the end of the day specialized, right? They're not essential. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you just argued that, you know, monitors are essentials and computers are essentials. But so I'm talking about wartime. On? I'm talking about wartime. Okay. So there's let's a difference between to... wartime food imports that are like luxury imports, like, I don't know, like caviar and then computers for every day, not wartime. There's a big difference between that. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, but is it, it do, do you? truly believe that Canada or even every nation in the world is able to independently produce for the their own people? Every nation in the world? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Especially in terms of food production. But I think that Canada is a nation that can. That's geographically blessed to have agricultural space and soil that is um, able to grow food. And so we, we are a country that can. But a lot of countries, most countries probably couldn't. Mm-hmm. So for those countries, do you think that uh, they should they should um, you know bump up their their self uh, self product you know their domestic production and uh, not tr- not use trade as much because that would hurt other nations. So say uh, Canada is trading to um, name a country. Um. Spain. Canada trades to Spain uh, wheat, right? Okay. Um, but 
in in Spain, if they start producing wheat, uh, Canada Canada won't be making money, right? We won't have that export, which yeah. uh, brings us money in return. And we can sell that wheat to other buyers, right? But is it is is if everyone becomes self independent, there won't be any more buyers. But no they, one will. We'll never get to a point where everyone is self dependent. The way that the world economy is structured now, we'll never get to that point. So do you? You don't think we can go back in time? Pretty no, much. I don't. It's only four. It's only. It's only four. Only from here. Okay, more I think, trade. I think that we've dug that hole, and there's no getting out of it now. Whether it's good or bad, we can't escape that. Like for example, look at a country like uh, Saudi Arabia. Right? What's their main export? Oil. Exactly. What do they have in terms of natural resource or marketable goods other than oil? Nothing. They're 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 just desert. They desert import land everything and... else. That, that's a country right. that will never be able to be self sufficient in any way, except for the money that they make to buy other goods from other countries that produce based on their oil money, which they export. Mm-hmm. Their specialization is what keeps them afloat. But then you look at Saudi Arabia's population, and it's 33 million people, right, yeah. as of 2018. Yeah. Um, in in Canada, with our vast amount of land, right, we're, we, I think we're around 30 million as well. Yeah, might be a bit more and, than that. But yeah, 30s, yeah. Right, so, well... Within Saudi Arabia, it's more it's more of a condensed nation. Do you think that you know they should be trading with places closer to them? I mean, look at the places closer to them, right? Geographically, that part of the world is geographically similar in terms of climate, right? Agriculturally, there isn't much production, but in specialized goods like oil, there is, right? And that's what I'm saying that we're at that point in a global economy where we can't go back. The Middle East is oil rich, and that's their specialization. And they need to specialize in that in order to survive. Right. Okay, but here I, I give you a, a kind of an odd goose, but Iran, right? Yeah. They had so many sanctions put against them that they couldn't trade with many c- countries, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were using 40-year-old airplanes. Yeah. But they were making stuff in-house, and they were surviving through domestic production. And they're kind of thriving. If you look at what they've achieved uh, within the past thriving. forty years, they're not. I'd thriving. argue that they are. Look, look at their transit system. It's much better than the Toronto transit system. Iran is not thriving economically. It's not. Look at how every almost every year there have been protests in the streets because people can't afford to buy eggs. Iran isn't economically. I don't think Iran is thriving. I'd maybe, argue maybe that the people at the top are thriving, but I don't think. Everyday people like you and me are thriving in Iran economically. Anyway, every so we look at everyday people, and we have to think that okay, there there's different sects of of uh, of people within each nation, right? There's the 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 more middle class, there's the lower income class, mm-hmm. and there's the wealthy. Um, so. Uh, is there there's more of a separation gap you're saying between the uh, the low income and the wealthy in Iran? I mean, what do you mean by a separation gap? Because it doesn't matter if there's a separation gap or not, unless it's a really really big separation gap, and the elite are very few in number. Because if eggs are expensive, eggs are expensive, right? And only right. a lucrative few are making enough money that 
uh, however much eggs are, if they're expensive, it doesn't matter to them, right? You have to be making a lot of money to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. But you look at, uh, so let's examine Canada, right? Canada's Mm -hmm. government plays a big role in minimizing that, that, uh, uh, distance between the classes, right? The yeah. welfare program and all these uh, welfare mm. benefits. Yeah. So Iran doesn't have as much of that, if uh, from my understanding, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into politics of Iran because that's a whole other thing, right? But I don't think that Iran has as much social protection for its people that Canada does. Of course not. But if we look at what they've achieved with all their sanctions and restrictions, they've been able to find the materials, find the raw products, and produce the necessary um, uh, final goods that they need for for people to, you know, to live with with the severe sanctions that have been placed on them, right? So the like, sanctions are there, but Iran is still shipping its oil. They're still selling their oil to buyers who might not be so inclined and aligned with the people placing the sanctions. You know what I mean? Right. Like, okay, the bigger yeah, I'm players sh- I'm sure world. Iran is still selling its oil. Maybe not to the States and to the Western world or to NATO, but I'm sure Iran is still selling its oil. And I'm not arguing that they aren't. I'm just saying that with the restrictions of imports that they have, right? Steel oh, import imports. Restrictions. Yeah, and, they are getting and all by. of that. They're, they're right? barely getting by, but they're still getting by. But they've been able to shift everything that they have uh, and and make it so that they can, you know, flip-flop and make it so that yeah. they can create what they need when they need it mm-hmm. with minimal delay. Over here in Canada, we're trying to make some masks for our poor hospital workers, you know, so that they don't get infected with this virus, and we're not able to do that fast enough. Well, I think it's it's a big step to go from increasing the amount of livestock you raise or uh, you know what i mean it's different than raising more chickens and putting more eggs on the market than making masks masks are multi-step specialized tools right you get what i mean right yeah i understand what you mean in that sense but i'm not only talking about livestock and chickens i'm talking about you know um tissues and and like stuff everyday common goods iran doesn't make their tissues they don't make their common goods they import them. They import them from countries that aren't Western aligned because those countries don't adhere to the the embargoes placed on Iran. And that's when the politics comes in, right? Right. Why would a country that is looking to take another smaller country in a volatile part of the world into their influence and increase their own influence in that region not want to support? Do you, do you get what I mean? I understand my wording is really weird, but do you get what I mean? That's an opportunity for a country that wants to expand their influence in the Middle East. Like, oh, the West won't sell you the tissues or whatever anymore. I can sell them to you. The States won't buy your oil anymore. I can buy your oil. Yeah, I, I see that. But I think that they have also really worked on, you know, their, their in-house production of uh, electronics, um, machinery, and uh, construction. I don't know about any of that, but I definitely think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes in Iran than we think. And they're not as exposed and vulnerable and alone as the media as makes them scene. out to be. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. What What For other sure. countries do we see that are, uh, are in similar situations? Maybe not with sanctions, but uh, other countries. 
I mean, I can't think of that many that are in as volatile of a situation as Iran. But there definitely are countries, right? Smaller countries right. that don't have a lot of land are up there, right? Because they have to mm-hmm. they have to import their food. Canada has land mass. The states has land mass. They can grow crops, right? And in a time of emergency, those crops can feed most of the population. Yeah, you, you make a you make a valid point. Um, my stance would still be that we should tune tone tone it down on uh, trade. We should really be able to make more of everything and shift our infrastructure and machinery to produce the given good at any given time. Give me, an, give me an example. What do you want to see Canada start producing more of? Not masks, something other than masks. Other than masks? Um, what do we import a lot? Let's look at what Canada imports the most. So vehicles. Vehicles, machinery, and uh, electrical machinery. Cars, right? Yeah. Cars. Cars is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. By far. And do you, th- yeah, it accounts for 16.4% of all of our imports, mm-hmm. which is huge. Um, do you think that we should maybe make more cars in Canada and rely less on other nations um, selling selling cars to us? I think this is where it gets case by case, right? Because look at cars, right? That's, um, I don't want to say it's a luxury because people need cars. But when we look at the cost of adapting a workforce and opening factories and running factories to make cars compared to the cost of just buying them from another country, the cost right, of establishing but... that specialization and like the cons might outweigh the pros. But if we can make that mach- that that factory that can create cars, but also be able to turn it around and make um, make other vehicles, um, motorcycles, you know, maybe tanks or um, other stuff that may become in need all of a sudden, then wouldn't we be better off? We'd be definitely creating more jobs, and you can't. Your argument of uh, machinery taking away those jobs wouldn't be as valid. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, there's a big difference between making cars and making tanks. That's that's a different thing. But still, like it, easily automated jobs are jobs that we should really think twice about implementing as a core aspect of our economy. Because we're getting to a point where automation is a very real possibility. Right. And especially you see car, a lot of car plants, right? Car part production plants. A lot of them are automated. Right. The jobs yes, that they and- would create would be more of the tech and management related jobs. And again, there's a cost to establishing car factories because you don't just put up a car factory, one factory in wherever, and then that one factory makes the whole car. Like one end of the factory is the planning and the other end of the car comes out. Dozens and dozens of different parts have to be made in different factories and they all come together to make the car. And that's not as easy as it sounds. And that's where trade agreements come in, right? So like NAFTA or now it's the USMCA. That's where those trade agreements come in. And we, we got to look at how those affect us positively then, and negatively. Yeah, that goes back to what you were saying. That's what you weren't saying about how we need, we should stop trading with people, but we need those trade agreements. So if Canada is able to make that steel and turn it into a fully functional, fully functioning vehicle with machinery, then... Is it is it is it as drastically terrible as as you're making it seem? But it's not just steel. 
it's not just we don't just take steel and turn it into a car it's it's so much more there's thousands of different components and parts uh, computer parts fabric uh, steel chemical paint um electrical parts the plastics there's so many different components if you really want if what you're saying is that we have a canadian car brand that's only made in canada you know how many different factories and how many different specializations would have to be established you know how much that would cost right my mind making sense because like there's a lot more than just steel goes in one end of the factory and the car comes out from the other end no, of course it's more complicated than that. I'm just taking an extremist view. I know. I I'm understand. trying to. I I don't personally. I don't think it's possible. I think again, like what I said earlier, is that we're we've dug this hole, and now it's very, very, very unlikely that we get out of it, whether for good or for for better or for worse. Okay, but we look at like Jap- Japanese brand Toyota, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. They have they have different models of cars for around the world. But a lot of the parts come from Japan, from what I know, right? Uh, if we look at Honda, they have a manufacturing plant just for Honda Civics in Canada, which make most of the Honda, um, the Civic parts, because the Civic is actually the most demanded car in Canada. It's the most in-demand car. Yeah. Um, so by making it here, you're creating, you're not only creating jobs here, but you're also improving the economy here through uh, domestic sales and less tariffs and taxes. Yeah. So question. So you said that there's the, the factory in Canada that makes the Hondas, right? You said that. So what do they make? Do they, it's an assembly plant, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's an assembly plant. So all the parts come in and the cars are assembled here. Correct. I, th- I think you're correct. I got I to gotta search it up for sure. But um continue with your thought so at that point it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference right if, if all the parts are being made elsewhere and then we're still paying for them and bringing them here and manufacturing them yeah it's it's good we have a manufacturing plant it's another step and that's a lot of jobs made but we're still outsourcing for parts and we're still relying on other countries and trade right okay i see i see your argument yeah you you you're fair um, but then you, you got to think that there will always be those primary, uh, industries like Canada, for example, that can mass produce wheat because of our agricultural state, because of our land mass. And, uh, you know, Mexico that has the climate that they can make, um, fruits and grow fruits. Um, California can grow, you, we get all our oranges from California, right? Um, so there will always in that perspective be stuff that we can't make just because of, of um, yeah, geographical positioning or like an abundance right. or an unabundance of resources. Right. Right. Yeah. But those things that we can make, shouldn't we be able to make them? We should. Yeah. Sorry, just to go back quickly to what you said about, um about the Honda facilities. Yeah. So like, for example, there's one here that it's, it's an engine plant. They, right. they make engines, right? And it's good that these plants are here because they build jobs and whatnot, but there's still other parts of the car that need to be imported from other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Going back to what you said about like fruit, for example, or things that we can't produce. Yeah, we have to import those. But what we can produce, it still depends. It still depends. Because like, for example, like, what do, you, what, do we, what do we import that we can produce here? Like, give me an example. 
we import um, in terms of agriculture, we import in a terms lot of, anything. of peaches. In the winter, we import peaches, but we can grow yeah, those. Yeah, but we can't grow peaches in the winter. Fair, but um, we have plenty of okay. peaches in the summer. I, I've been peach picking before. There are peach orchards. But yeah, off season, there's not much we can do about off season. In, in your opinion, w- would it be better for us to just have winters of no fresh fruit and treat that as an aspect of life and just move on with it, or would it be better for us to have those fruits at all times of year? What's your opinion? Um, well, obviously I'd want to have my, my peaches in the winter too. Right. But, um, I think that, you know, that the peaches in the summertime, they taste so much better and you have, you have to agree with that, that they, they're just juicier and more plump. Yeah, they are because they're made here that they grow here and they have less pesticides added to them and less chemicals to keep them fresh because they're transported. Right. So you also got to think about like that and is it worth having mediocre quality uh all the, all time? the time or good quality or having... certain times yeah 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 that's exactly what i was gonna say that's that's, that's question. the question that's a question that you gotta put a lot of thought into right right now for some for some things that we consider necessities right mm-hmm. um those those should be able we should have we should be able to have them all the time right like but um milk uh mm-hmm. meat yeah those are those are more livestock uh goods if yeah you can say that but um you understand what i mean yeah yeah i agree with you for sure those are necessities and canada is a country that does have those necessities right because again we have a large amount of land and a large amount of that large amount of land is put into agriculture Right. Now I have the perfect example for you. Going back to your question, what about watermelons? Right? We don't have you don't see big watermelons in the winter time, right? Do you miss watermelons in the winter time? Well, um honestly, I could honestly. I could go without watermelon. I don't think we get watermelons in the winter. Right. We you might occasionally see that small $8 watermelon at the supermarket. Uh, during the winter, but in the summer, you get these nice, oh, the big crates, big, full, like the the massive ones, yeah, the the good ones, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. and it's just amazing when you when you mm-hmm. get that crisp, fresh bite into that cold watermelon on a hot summer day, yeah, it's making me want watermelon, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah me too, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's yeah. some things that you know we should we should give up over over the winter. And then we should just focus on primarily making it here. Yeah. And again, yeah, that goes back again to whether or not you're willing to make that sacrifice, right? It's a tricky question because people are so used to having everything at their disposal all the time because the world has evolved to a trade-based world, you know? We live in a day and age where you can walk into the supermarket and get almost anything, right? Because it's there. Because of our Any time of the year. Yeah, exactly. Right. Is that regarded as a good thing? Uh, sometimes I think it's a bad thing. Why? Why do you say that? Because we don't value we don't we don't value enough of what we have. What do you mean? So we we really we we have a huge emphasis on when our peaches come out um, from the Niagara region. You know, when mm-hmm. it's when it when the season is, it's everyone saying, oh, buy Ontario peaches, buy Ontario peaches. That's all I hear on like the ads on TV even roll out then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You see it everywhere. 
we try to buy locally, which is a huge trend now in COVID too. Buy local, support local. Yeah. I'm just saying we should probably try and do that on a much bigger scale. Yeah, I agree with you. But nature doesn't let us do that, right? When there's an off-season for peaches and it's December and there are no peaches being grown in Ontario, right? And then you see peaches from Georgia or from wherever in the grocery stores. Then if you really need peaches, you're going to get those peaches, right? Because they're there. Yeah. And are people willing to make the sacrifice you know, like, why should a regular everyday person go without peaches when they're right there in the grocery store? Because the quality isn't as good. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I, I look at it that way as well. But some some people don't care, you know. But Maybe is they it, want to make but, a peach pie and the peaches are there, right? Well, you have to say that quality may, plays a huge role if the demand is the winter but what, But this is about is, people's mindset now. It's not about economy or business anymore. This is driven by what people want. Right. Consumer demand. Yeah. Yeah. If people are buying them, if people are buying peaches, imported peaches during the winter, why would the grocery store stop importing them? They make money, right? They make money off it. Why should they stop? Right. No, you, you make a valid point for sure. And I think, again, that um, goes back to what I was saying about how we're at a point where we can't go back to becoming self-sufficient. Because people are used to the luxury and comfort of having everything at their disposal whenever they want it. And it'll be hard, if not impossible, to get people back to the way it used to be. So my question to you is that do you think it's bad that, you know, we can get everything that we want when we want it? It's kind of like a diva, right? Um, I mean, I think it depends. Uh, it depends on what. Why? Why is it bad that... I'm if I'm sick, I can just go to the store and get whatever medicine I need. A bottle of Tylenol, right? Why is that bad? Okay, or if medicine I, aside, I I would put medicine aside in this, but then what are you talking about? Then food, food based products. Some some food products, um, some things that grow seasonally. Mm -hmm. um, other stuff, you know, you see you see stuff that come in season. Seasonal right? stuff. Okay, yeah. Like, um, I know what you. I know what you mean. Like, see, like, no, I get what you mean. Like, for example, like, um, fish from like another country, like fish caught off the coast of Australia, right? Right. Why? That's why can't we just settle for a Pacific salmon from BC or Atlantic cod from Nova Scotia? I, I get what you mean. I get what you yeah. mean. Yeah, and again, that goes back to the people, I think, right? Because people are so used to having everything at their disposal. Yeah, I can't really say if it's a good or bad thing, right? I can't really say because it's it's a reality. Whether it's good or bad, it's the world we live in. Do you right. think it's good or do you think it's bad? Well, I think, I again, I think we should tone it down a little bit and that we should focus on, you know, Maybe we shouldn't have everything available at all, like all times, like watermelons, you know, do you, mm -hmm. you don't miss them. You said earlier, you don't miss them during the winter, yeah. right? I'm sorry. I'm repeating myself a bit, but no, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't have the demand in the winter as much as you do in the summer. So why would you bring that product here and then sell it when the, the realistically you're selling a worse quality product? And you're probably not making as much money on it. 
Well, I mean, that's that's uh, like we don't know how much the grocery stores make. I wish we had that data. That'd be kind of cool to see how much the sales are in the summer compared to the winter and the spring and the fall, right? Yeah, I, I kind of want to see that now. I wonder if it's. <laughs> I wonder if it's out there. Wait, let me look it up. See, I don't think grocery stores publish that data, but like it'd be yeah. it'd be interesting. And you're right. Yeah, I I agree that. Yeah, there are things the things when they aren't in season, the quality's worse. But you can't stop people from buying things, right? A lot of people are conscious about that. Like I know I think, oh, is it in season right now? And where is it from? Right? Right, because then you think about what what has happened, what where it's grown, you know, what you know, what pesticides were used and how it was one, right? Right. The apples that are like in the grocery store and they're imported from uh, wherever California, right? Think about that long plane ride and however many exactly. days it was in a warehouse or it was in the the supply, like the supply depot, right? Right. And how much as less healthy is that compared to an apple picked from an orchard twenty minutes from your house? Of course, the apple orchard would have much better apples. Mm-hmm. I think anyone would agree with that. Yeah. Um. But there's still a demand. The, the trade wouldn't be happening, I don't think, if people weren't buying them. I don't see why a grocery store would import watermelons during the winter if people didn't buy them, right? Well, you see, they, they always... You, you see watermelons, but you don't see as many, right? And you got to think at how much is thrown out at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm sure that there, there's always waste for every everything, regardless of season, Right. But I think that they, the grocery stores know how much they're selling at what point of the year. And they, I'm sure they import to fit that demand. Yeah. So I think we've come to the conclusion that we need trade, but yeah. we also have to value the importance of domestic production. Oh, yeah, definitely. And goods. It's, it's a difficult line to draw because it's, it's a gray area. We live in a trade-dominated world, but it's important to remember that some things should be made as close to you as possible, as close to home, in order to assure quality and also accessibility. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, that was a great conversation that we had. Um, I think we covered a lot of ground on the topic. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, we, we're we continuously searching for uh, for good topics out there. So mm-hmm. for all of our listeners, you know, please leave a comment or even feel free to email us or visit our Instagram uh, at Jark Entertainment um, and send us a private message saying uh, what you want to hear next. Uh, yeah. We also post every Monday, so make sure to stay tuned on Mondays at around 8 p.m. Uh, and you can follow us on Instagram for updates throughout the week. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. We're always looking to talk about what you guys want to hear. Thanks for listening and uh, Cameron signing off. Peace. Yep. Take care, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next one.